0: Welcome here at CBC, and uh, and you're included in some of uh, these announcements. If if these are things you would like to get involved in, so the first one is is coming up in a few weeks, is our men's retreat. Our men are teaming up with Winwood Presbyterian and going to Giddings for a men's retreat there, and you can sign up for that online on our church website, conroebible.org, or you can go to the church center app. Either either way will get you to the right spot um, to get signed up for men's retreat. And the same day that men's retreat starts, the women are having a movie night here at the church. Um, so if, if you're one of our women and like to be involved in that, um, you can come and participate in that. We are going to have communion this morning. Um, And if you didn't come through the back doors or maybe you did and you just walked past that table and didn't grab some communion elements, please um, go and get those communion elements. Um, You can do that right now if you want. Um, But we're going to have communion here in a little bit. And then lastly, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it wasn't last week, was it? a couple of weeks ago when school's getting ready to start, we prayed for our teachers. Um, And one of the things we want to do this morning is we want to pray for our homeschool teachers. We have a large contingency of homeschool families here at CBC. Um, A lot of moms, I think it's a lot of moms and a minimal number of dads, um, at least that's the way it works at my house, um, are contributing to the education of our little ones. And so we want to pray for you guys this morning. And Dave's going to lead us in that prayer
1: let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you for the privilege of uh, gathering in your presence and we thank you for our uh, homeschool uh, parents Uh, thank you for the relationships you've given them with their children and we ask that you would strengthen those relationships in the coming year Uh, pray that you would help them to be able to navigate uh, being mom and dad and being teacher and coach and counselor and we ask that you would give them wisdom and insight we pray for your love to be expressed and for both uh, parents and child to learn more things about you as you give them strength for the year we pray that you would give uh, the parents wisdom in discipling uh, their children to you, and we thank you for the myriad of ways that you allow for that and the freedom that you give them at home, and we just ask for stamina in that. Pray that you keep uh, moms and dads on the same page as they work through uh, topics and as they work through themes and as they work through subjects, we ask that you would give them uh, grace to uh, work together as a team, and we pray that through it all, you would be honored and glorified.
0: We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. To begin this morning, let me read a, a couple of verses from Ephesians chapter 3. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
2: Shall soon dissolve like so. The sun.
0: for the life that you give us. We thank you for your son and the price that he paid on our behalf. Father, we pray this morning that you would be honored and draw us close. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. You guys can have a seat.
1: We have a privilege of observing communion this morning and, uh, It's an open table for all of those who have placed their faith in Christ. If you don't yet have the communion elements, those are on the table in the back entrance there. So you are welcome to go get those now. And uh, parents, we ask you to to, um, uh, watch over your children uh, as they worship with us uh, in this. And as we prepare to take the elements, we will hold the elements and and take them together. Uh, I want us to have a little time of guided prayer. So I'm gonna ask you to, Pray with me. You pray silently, and I will just kind of guide it with topics. I'm going to use the—there is no formula or equation for prayer, but there's a a simple arrangement that uh, I like to practice at times just because it uh, enriches my prayer life, and that's the ACTS, Adoration Confession thanksgiving and supplication. So I'm going to lead us through that, and I'll just mention the, uh, the the topic of that, and then you can pray silently where you are as you and I commune with Jesus and uh, prepare to receive the elements. So we'll start with adoration. And in this uh, step, we just want to declare to God who he is. It's a form of praise, and, and praise always lifts our heart Praise is a a time when it's easy to be honest because we know who God is and we can declare that to him. So uh, let's take the opportunity to pray and just adore God, to praise him. You might say something like, God or Jesus, you are, and fill in the blank. lord jesus you are our redeemer and our savior through your death burial and resurrection you conquered sin death and satan we praise you as the one who loved us enough to go to the cross now time of confession when we think about who God is and we see him for who he is, it reminds us and allows us to see ourselves for who we are. So I invite you as the spirit prompts you to confess any sin in your life as we prepare to receive the elements. Lord, we come before you as the one who died on the cross for our sins and offers forgiveness of sins to all who place their faith in you. And I confess um, the sin of my uh, attitude, which seems to uh, change as much as the weather in Texas and seems to be guided more by my circumstances than by how much you love me. i thank you for forgiving me of my sin i thank you that we can bring our sin to you and be forgiven and then the t is thankfulness because it is a natural reaction to being forgiven to realizing who god is and what he has done so i invite you just to thank the lord perhaps for his death burial and resurrection as our sinless substitute or for anything else that is going on in your life. Let's thank the Lord. Lord Jesus, it is so easy to thank you because every perfect gift comes from above, and and we thank you for that. I thank you for getting me out of bed this morning. Thank you for my car running on the way to church. And most of all, I thank you for your willingness to leave the glory of heaven, to become God and man, to go to the cross for our sins. Now a time of supplication. Because Jesus went to the cross, if you placed your faith in him, he broke the power of sin. So you might pray for some development of your character, for some transformation of becoming more like Jesus and living out the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are helpless without you, and so we ask for your grace not only to be sufficient for our every need, but to empower us, I pray that you would empower me to walk with you with great faithfulness. We give you thanks for your death, burial, and resurrection, for the simplicity of the gospel, and for the offer of your grace to all who believe in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We'll be right back. back. Chris and Jenny, I invite you to take the cup and the bread, these symbols of the body broken of Christ and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. We're going to take the bread first. And before we do, let me read the words of Jesus to his disciples from Luke 22. This is what he said. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Let's take the cup. If you can peel the top off of it. And again, let's consider the words of Jesus. This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Let's take the cup together. Dear Jesus, thank you for the gift of salvation. And thank you for going to the cross for our sin and rising in victory. We thank you, Father, for this plan of redemption, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for making this effective in our lives for all who place their faith in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can just set your cups on the floor there. And we want to dismiss our Sunshine Kids Club, so if you are kindergarten through fifth grade... You can head on over here, and if you're a guest with us, feel free to take your children and and, uh, see the staff over there. Guidelines, instruct us, inform us. They give us rails to stay on, to move into the future in a healthy and appropriate ways. They can even help us build relationships. The New England Primer was written in 1642 by a Puritan, and it was the textbook for basically the 1700s and well into the 1800s for the children, the American school children, in the colonies and then in the United States. It was a textbook that was used to provide guidelines in morality, manners, politics, and theology. And ultimately, To provide guidelines on building a relationship with the living God of the universe. The New England primer had its roots in the Puritan context of the time, in Calvinism, and so there's a lot of what we would call Reformed theology in it initially and they would use the alphabet to teach, whether it was manners, morality, or especially theology. And here's an example of the alphabet training. It was written in couplets. And so if you were going to learn the alphabet letter, you would learn the couplet. And if you learned the couplet, you were often learning key theological themes. You can see the A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. School children. Well, the primer altered over the years. It was changed over the years. The um, colonies uh, broke with England. And, and so instead of the K and the Q talking fondly of the king and the queen of uh, England, the Q was changed to read this. Queens and kings are gaudy things. And the K, I can't remember the first phrase, but the second phrase says he lost the 13 states, colonies, excuse me. So they would change that. After the great American revival of the 1720s through the 1740s, the theology changed more from focusing on a God of wrath to a God of love. There were subtle changes throughout, and there were millions co- of copies of, of this uh, primer. Very few have survived, and the ones that are, that have survived, are, are not in good shape because they were used as a textbook to provide guidelines. Well, this morning, we want to look at the Apostle Paul's guidelines given to him by the Holy Spirit for us in the topic of prayer so that we might communicate with this God of love so that we might get to know him better, so that we might speak to him. Prayer is a method of communication with our spiritual commander in this spiritual warfare that we are waging, or that is being waged with us. So we want to look at prayer. Paul has given us six pieces of the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. And here in verses 18 through 20, specifically 18, he's going to give us guidelines for prayer. God wants us to pray. God invites us to pray. God exhorts us to pray. And throughout scripture, God even commands us to pray, to talk to him in prayer. And because of that, when I mentioned prayer, There's often a lot of uh, shame and guilt for those of you that are really conscientious about walking with Jesus and and feeling like, hey, I don't pray as much as I should. And I'm willing to say I'm at the head of that line. That's common for us. There's also a lot of confusion and, and even doubt because prayer is certainly an area of great spiritual warfare. Satan doesn't want to see us in communication with the living God. There's also confusion about, you know, all all these theological, all of a sudden we become theologians and, and we wonder about, you know, well, what do I need to say? Because God knows it all, right? God wants to hear our heart. So we want to be a people that pray. And so I want to encourage you that you would listen to God's word as I hope to today from Ephesians 6:18 and perhaps our prayer lives will be improved by one or more of the guidelines that we are provided here by God. I want to make a a personal invitation to our students, our junior high and, and senior high students, that, that age of 11 to 18. And the and, uh, same thing would apply last week on, on the uh, elevation of the word of God in our lives. But you guys have a unique opportunity under the, the discipleship of your parents and, and their overall umbrella to really set the trajectory of your life. And prayer is one of the key elements that you want to develop. And you can be doing that right now at your age. So I want to make sure that you understand this is not a message for old people. And this is not a message for people that have been believers all their lives, although we need it. But this is an invitation for you to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and see where he would help you improve and establish and develop your own prayer life. As we look at Ephesians six eighteen, when we are in the midst of spiritual warfare, Prayer becomes a lifeline for standing firm in the strength of the Lord. That's what we were instructed to do back in verses 10 through 13, stand firm in the strength of the Lord. So when we're in the midst of spiritual warfare, when we're facing temptations, when we're discouraged and depressed and doubting, when we're confused, this is a time to talk to God. And that's what Paul is going to point out for us in verses 6, 18. Challenge all of us to make prayer a more meaningful part of our lives. We're going to see five guidelines for praying. And the first one that we see is in the first phrase. Pray with heartfelt prayer as you approach the Father in various ways. Scripture gives us a lot of different ways that we can approach God, and and we'll look at some of that. But in Ephesians six eighteen, Paul exhorts us to pray. And, and we're going to build these five guidelines around the four uses of his word, all. So that applies to us with all prayer at all times, on all occasions. And then the directive to pray in the spirit. That's the fifth one. So let's read verses, verse 18 of, of chapter six in Ephesians. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit, And with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Our emphasis in this first point is on that first phrase, with all prayer and petition. Paul is enthusiastic about getting us to pray. And so he uses two words that pretty much cover the entire spectrum of prayer. And, and you may look at that and say, well, there's no wiggle room here. I can't get out of it now. And maybe that's, his, um, maybe that's his intent. But I just think he's trying to show us that there are all kinds of ways to approach God in prayer. So he talks about prayer. And the word he uses there in the original language is the word that is used most commonly for just communicating with the living God just talking to God. It it covers all kinds of prayer. It's just a general word for prayer, for talking to the Lord in prayer. The word for petition there is a more specific request and even an urgent request. And so this might be the, the, the arrow prayer that you just send up, Lord, help me as you sit down to take a test or do an interview for work or whatever it is. And, and so we urgently pray and ask for the Lord to be with us and to, to give us strength. In his own way, Paul is saying that everything is open for prayer. God wants to hear from us on every situation. Whatever the needs of your heart are, Wherever you are and whatever the life situation is. God wants to know about it. I said earlier God does know right he's sovereign He wants to hear it from you and when you expose your heart to him Sometimes you learn things that you didn't know you were feeling about it But most often you rediscover God and his sovereignty as he works through this circumstance in your life God wants you to approach him in prayer wherever you are in whatever our situation. Well, let's look at some of the ways that we approach God in prayer. As you think about the, the spectrum of prayer throughout Scripture that we are given, we approach God through the, the content of our prayer. And so earlier, as we prayed in preparation for taking the elements of communion, as we communed with the Lord in prayer, we looked at the subjects or the content of adoration and confession and thankfulness and supplication. And again, there is no formula, but that's a a simple acrostic that I like to use because it keeps me focused on the Lord and each element leads to the next. There are all kinds of contents of prayer, petition and and, uh, supplication, as I mentioned. There are many different ways to praise God whether it's in song or with scripture. Prayer is most meaningful in every approach to the content when the content centers on God. We also approach God through the people with whom we pray. So sometimes we'll pray alone. It's just us and the Lord. Sometimes we pray with a friend. We see that in the hallways of, uh, of the church after a service or before a service, when somebody's sharing a need, and somebody stops right down and prays for them. Sometimes we pray in a, a small group or in our mid-sized communities. There are a lot of different people with whom we pray. We also approach God through different styles of prayer. Some prayers are very liturgical. Some prayers are written. Some prayers are formal. Some prayers are memorized. Some prayers are just a quick, thank you, Lord. And some prayers are a quick, Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. There are all kinds of different styles, and all of these are appropriate, whether they're memorized or spontaneously offered. We approach prayer in a variety of places, and even by praying for a variety of objects or people in our lives. But the most important approach has to do with our posture in prayer. Now, you know, if we look in, in Scripture, we see all types of posture. We see kneeling, we see flat out uh, on the ground, face down. We see arms lifted up and looking to heaven. We see heads bowed. There are all kinds of postures, physical postures, but the most important posture is the posture of our heart. We must come to the Lord with a sense of humility, a sense of anticipation, a sense of transparency and vulnerability as we reveal what's going on in our hearts and ask him for what we need. We must come with an anticipation in our heart of his goodness to play out in our lives. We must come with a willingness to accept his will, regardless of how he leads or how he answers our prayer. The posture of our heart when we come to the Lord in prayer is the most important approach that we can offer to the Lord. No matter how we pray, we are communing with God in relationship. And so guideline number one has to do with the heart. Pray with a heartfelt prayer as you approach the Father in various ways. Second guideline has to do with praying continually. The next phrase, we see that we are to pray at every opportunity. There is no time when God will not hear our prayers. This is an open invitation. In fact, I would call it a heavy exhortation from Paul to pray. This exhortation emphasizes our continual communion With the Father. He's not asking us to walk around with our hands folded and our heads bowed. If you see that, that's probably just somebody texting on their phone. He's not asking us to carry around prayers that we can read, but that is fine. What He's looking for here is a continual conversation. As we do life, as we go through the events of our day, God wants to hear about it. He wants us to bring to Him. What is going on? He's saying make prayer your attitude as you go through the events of your life. So this is how Paul put it. He said, pray at all times. Pray at all times. That word for times is a word that means occasion, event, opportunity. We we could say pray at every opportunity that God brings before you. It's a time for prayer. Pray on all occasions, happy and sad, triumph and tragedy. Pray no matter what is going on in your life. When Paul exhorts us to pray at all times, he's moving the prayer from an event and even from a worship gathering to a continual conversation. That's what God's looking for in our lives, our Heavenly Father wants us to live with a a continual awareness of and a surrender to his life and his guidance to what is going on all day long. It keeps it fresh for us, reminding us that he is in control, but it also keeps us in continual prayer with him in this battle of spiritual warfare against the schemes of the devil that we might stand strong. When shall we pray? Well, when we're tempted, talk to God and ask for his help. If you see something that is beautiful or someone that is kind, give thanks to the Lord. If you see evil or hear about evil as we did this morning in our breakfast ABF, pray and ask God to bring justice. To make things right and be willing to help be part of the solution if you have disruptive thought, feelings that that bubble up go to the Lord in prayer and ask Jesus to guard your heart and mind if you have annoying thoughts talk to God if you meet an unbeliever ask the spirit to give you wisdom to give you words to share the simple grace of the gospel to share the love of christ with them ask the spirit to work in their heart and the father to draw them to himself these are just ways as you go through every time every occasion as you walk into a, a convenience store or a gas station lord help me to exhibit your love to this individual talk to god uh, I like the ministry of Toby Mack on social media, Christian singer, songwriter, and perhaps you uh, see his stuff as well. I love this poster that he put on this week, Pray Without Ceasing, because Satan is praying without ceasing. The enemy seeks to prey upon you. He is a roaring lion, we are told, who our, our adversary who goes about, seeking whom he may devour, seeking to destroy any Christian testimony, seeking to distract us from the source of our strength, seeking to disrupt our communion with the Father in prayer. When the occasion arises, go to God in prayer. At every occasion, go to God in prayer. Direct your mind and your heart to God throughout the day and the more you discipline your heart and mind to pray at every opportunity, the more you will experience his presence and the more natural it will become to talk to him throughout the day. Guideline number two, pray at every opportunity. Next, Paul directs us to pray in the spirit. Guideline number three, pray under the direction and power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer can seem difficult. We don't always know how to pray or what to pray. So how do we pray in that situation? We rely on the Holy Spirit. We pray in his energy and his power and under his direction. We can pray confidently because God will help us as we seek him, even in how to pray and what to pray. I want us to look at a very familiar passage, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. That inform us through Paul's words about the work of the Spirit in prayer and I want us to just think about what he does here first let's read how the Spirit helps us in prayer in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here's what we can discern about the Holy Spirit from God's word in Romans 8, that he empowers us. He gives us the energy to pray even when we are too weary. He knows us in our helpless condition. He guides us. He helps us know what to pray when our minds are weary and our hearts are heavy. He prays for us. He intercedes for us, as we're told that Jesus does later in that same passage. That's incredible. He speaks to us. He brings to mind God's word. And he does that so that we can pray according to God's will. And so I recommend that even as you pray, that you pause and open your heart to allow the spirit to prompt you with God's word about whatever the occasion is, the opportunity that you're praying about and let him direct you to God's will through God's word. And that provides greater conviction because we are confident that we are praying according to God's will. And that strengthens our faith. We must have an attitude of submission to and dependence upon and guidance from the Holy spirit. When we go to prayer, allow him to guide us in what to say and how to say it. He will lead you to pray according to the God's will. Remember, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. We're told that back in the Gospel of John. We're also told that everything he does glorifies Jesus Christ. And so as we pray and as we rely on him to lead us, we can have more confidence in our prayer that he is leading us and guiding us to walk with Jesus, to bring Jesus more honor and glory with our own lives. And that's what all of us want. Whether we know how to pray for it or not, we can rely on the Holy Spirit for that. Guideline number three, pray with a fervency that delights the Lord. Pray with a fervency. Fervency captures two key words that are important to Paul here. They're the words alertness and perseverance. We're going to see that in in chapter 6, verse 18. But first, I want to say that praying with fervency does not earn God's favor. Praying with fervency and frequency does not manipulate the Lord into answering our prayers. But when we do pray with fervency... And when we are persistent, and when we do persevere with great alertness, it honors the Lord, and he delights in honoring us. We don't manipulate him. We simply pray according to the way that he has asked us to do. And we are confident confident that he hears our prayers, and that he loves to honor us with his response. This is how Paul puts it in verse 18. And with this in view... Be on the alert with all perseverance. Prayer requires persistence if we would face spiritual attacks in the strength of the Lord. The schemes of the devil are cunning, they're imminent, they're destructive. We must watch and pray. We must be on the alert and persist in prayer in the midst of temptation and the midst of spiritual attacks. Fervency in prayer prepares us for spiritual battles, probably keeps some spiritual battles away, and it helps us when we are engaged in spiritual battle, when Satan brings the temptation. Then fervent prayer defends us and gives us strength as we commune with the Lord in the midst of the attacks. We find this truth scattered throughout Scripture. You remember Nehemiah, the great Israelite leader, in the Old Testament, the Lord brought him back from Babylonian captivity with a group of Israelites to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem. That was a, 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 a um, project given to Nehemiah to protect the city, that people might come back and then rebuild the temple and worship the Lord. But there had to be that protection. Well, Nehemiah shows himself to be a great leader, and, and that little Old Testament book is often studied for that. But one of the keys, to Nehemiah's life and ministry and service and leadership was his prayer life. In, In that short book, we see on a dozen different occasions Nehemiah go to the Lord in prayer, seeking guidance, seeking protection, complaining to the Lord about what it's like to have enemies. Every way possible, Nehemiah goes to the Lord. We see a fervency in his life Through prayer. We see it in the garden with Jesus, right? The night before he goes to the cross, the early morning hours, he brings Peter, James, and John with him. And what does he say? He says, I want you to watch and pray. He has to tell them multiple times because they're falling asleep. Why does he say watch and pray? Well, he he finishes the sentence this way, so that you may not enter into temptation." He's giving us a guideline here on how to deal with spiritual attacks regardless of what the temptation is, to stand strong in the strength of the Lord, to be fervent in our prayer that we might not fall into temptation. Think of your prayer as a a sentry on duty. Now, for too many of us in in our prayer life, that sentry on duty is kind of like the, the, the mall cop playing solitaire as he looks at the monitors. But we've gotta be more like a private bodyguard that's called to protect someone in public places. We can be high alert. And when we have a fervent prayer life, when we pray persistently in different areas, especially in areas where you wanna grow or in areas of bad habits or habitual sin, We want to be fervent in that prayer and see God work. We want to be on the alert. Guideline number four, pray with a fervency that delights the Lord. And in the final guideline, Paul reminds us to pray beyond our own needs, to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ. The final guideline, pray for the family of God as participants in spiritual battle participants in spiritual battle, all of us face temptation and all of us face the attacks of Satan. I read a fascinating story of Dan Jervis. He was on Team Great Britain in the Olympics. He's a Welshman and he swims the 1500 meter. That's 30 laps of the pool. Maybe David Pinnell could do that. I don't know if any of us, the rest of us could here, but 30 laps of the pool. He came in fifth, so he didn't medal. You know, the first three got the medals. He came in fifth, and I was uh, mesmerized, to be honest, by his interview following his race. He's a, a young Welshman that wants to break the British record. It's currently held by a Welshman. He wants to be the next Welshman to break it. And you know that in interviews post-race, immediately most athletes want to thank their friends and their family and their coaches and their other athletes and the people that hosted the Olympics in Tokyo. But that's not what he did. I I want to read this quote to you. He said, I want to thank my village of resolving. I want to thank my church. Of course, he had a heavy accent. Sardis Baptist Church and Ammonford Church in Ammonford who have been really supportive of me. Everyone back home has been praying for me. Isn't that incredible? First words out of his mouth are, I wanna thank my brothers and sisters in Christ, specifically these two churches that have been praying for me. I'm sure that they were praying for him to win. I'm sure they were praying for him to do well. He says, he prays that he will accept the results, that he will be at his best and that he will be where God wants him to be. This is how he finished the interview. He said, the thing I'm most proud of in my life is that I'm a Christian. And obviously, God was with me tonight, and I'm just really grateful to be representing him. Isn't that incredible? This guy didn't meddle. He came in fifth, but he was so thankful that he could be representing Christ in his life on every occasion. And so he took the opportunity to praise God, and what he did was he took the opportunity to note his brothers and sisters in Christ who were praying for him who are making this opportunity possible for him by interceding for him. I'm glad to be part of a church family here that expresses its love for one another through prayer. We express our love in in a lot of ways for each other. I am very thankful for the prayers that you offer for one another, for healing, for physical and emotional healing, for spiritual healing for material provision for the Lord, for continued transformation in our lives. We must be and continue to be a church family that intercedes for one another. We want to be people that stand in the gap for one another. We want to be able to say, as our own personal testimony, I was carried along by the prayers of others. God worked because someone prayed for me it's a powerful, powerful relationship to have with others in a church family, to be praying for one another and to participate with them. And not only just our church family, but brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Last week, we prayed for some in the persecuted church that we're familiar with. We have opportunities to pray for Our own missionaries and for others that are serving the Lord and when you do you are participating with them in that ministry you're bringing them to the Lord and you are praying for all the Saints Paul is the one who makes that very clear in verses 19 and 20 he says and I want you to pray for me now he's in prison right he's chained to a Roman guard that's where he gets this imagery this analogy of the full armor of God He doesn't ask for prayer to be released. He doesn't ask for prayer for comfort or or for more things to be brought to him. He just says, hey, pray for courage and for clarity. You know, ask the Lord to give me a boldness at, at every opportunity that I can present the gospel. That's very convicting for me when I think about that and think about some of the things I pray for, which is fine because God wants us to share every need on our hearts. But that drives me into a deeper a deeper walk with Jesus to pray about things that are more serious that he wants in my life. Paul says in verse 18, petition for all the saints. He's instructing us to pray, not just for ourselves, when we do pray, it's often for ourselves, but for everyone else. And, and so I, I hope that when you get your emails from your ABF on a Sunday afternoon or Monday, that you keep that with your devotional materials and pray throughout the week or create some kind of list. I've never been good at a prayer, so-called prayer notebook. Uh, I have several that have started with just a page or two. So what I do now is I just write down on a sheet of paper and I've got about 15 people that I've committed to verbally that I will pray for on a daily basis. And I just keep that with me and I pray and I pray as the Lord leads for them. And I try to check in every week or so and and see where the Lord is guiding them. I would encourage you to do that. Encourage you to do that with your small group or with any kind of relationships that you have for brothers and sisters in Christ that pleases the Lord. There's a well-known passage in 1 Samuel 12 where Samuel says this. I'm going to read it for you. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Again, a convicting message. It's given in the context of the Israelites coming to Samuel the prophet and saying, we have sinned. We're going to repent. We want to walk with the God who called us into relationship with him. We want to live in obedience. We want to fear him and reverence him in our hearts. we want to have a loving response to him. And so when Samuel is saying, I'm going to pray for you, he's saying, I want to pray for your spiritual growth. I'm going to pray for you. And that's what we can do pray for one another to walk with Jesus, to experience his life change from the inside out, that we might experience his very character that begins to affect our behavior and our attitudes and our words. Paul showed us again in the next couple of verses, how he wanted to be prayed for, courage and clarity. He might even ask a friend how can I pray for you spiritually? Where would you like to grow? I want to stand in the gap for you. Well, God directed Paul to give us five guidelines for prayer. May one or more of those improve your prayer lives because they are built on the living, dynamic, active word of God. May we be people who put on the full armor of God, but may we be a people who go to God. And talk to him in prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that each piece of this armor draws us closer to you. As you are the one who shields us from the attacks of Satan. You are the one who guides us against his cunning and schemes. And you are the one who protects us. And we ask, Lord, for the grace to discipline ourselves in this area of prayer that we might experience it in more meaningful ways, that we might experience your presence as we commune with you. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us so many approaches and so many simple principles, so many simple guidelines to adhere to that we might experience you in greater measure. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.
0: We'll stand together.
2: see your heart in everything you say, every burning star a signifier of grace, if creation sings your praises so well. empty your voice For once you have spoken all nature and science follow the sound of your voice And as you speak a hundred billion creatures catch your breath in pursuit of what you said If it all reveals your nature So will I I can see your heart In everything you say Every is you the canvas Of your grace If creation still so... A hundred billion failures disappear, where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grain behind you, so will I. I can see your heart and everything Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender so alive, I can see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious one a child you died to save. So alive like you would again a hundred billion times, but what measure could